Good morning. The Lord is risen. He's risen indeed. Welcome. Happy Easter. Uh, my name's Paul, and I happen to have the privilege of being on staff at this church here and leading you through this time as we uh, learn and grow together. And if you are here visiting with us this morning, um, I would encourage you to come back. If you can come back, come back on Sunday mornings with us at 10 o'clock and join us. Um, this, is, this is the place where we just dig into the hope that comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you are welcome here. We'd love to have you join us and become a part of the family that we have here. Um, what a way to start this service. Um, the, the words that we just sang about this incredible love that God has for us. And how he demonstrated that so vividly through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The death of Jesus Christ, his resurrection, and all that that means to us. We sang about perfect love. We sang about relentless grace and peace that lasts forever. All things that we're going to be reminded of this morning. This is Resurrection Sunday. And on Friday, um, we were here in this room and we shared a special time together remembering what Jesus did for us. We looked at this statement that he made before going to the cross in John chapter 14, verse 20, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, I will no longer talk much, much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. And then he said, he has no claim on me. And Jesus went to the cross, knowing what was coming, knowing everything that he would go through, knowing all the suffering, all the pain. And even though it looked for a while, like the enemy was winning, like the enemy did have a claim on him, he never, ever had a claim on Jesus. And Jesus came through the cross and through the grave and won this victory for us. He paid the price for our lives once and for all. And so on Friday, we spent some time being honest with ourselves and being honest with God, acknowledging that the enemy does still have a claim on us we have these places in our lives, these dark closets, these secret places where we still mess up. We still allow the worst of us to come out under pressure. And we talked about what we can do to turn over the keys to those spaces to Jesus so that he can bring his light into those dark spaces and offer us hope and bring his light and this morning, we come once again to the incredible conclusion of this chapter of God's story. Jesus proved that Satan had no claim on him. Even death could not hold him. And so on that third day when Mary arrived at the tomb where Jesus' body had been laid, she was met with a surprise. The tomb was empty. And in her joy... She ran and she got Jesus' disciples and two of them came and they looked into the tomb and realized, yes, it's empty. He's not there. And those disciples left and Mary stayed and she looked into the tomb once more and there sitting where Jesus' body had been were two angels. And then behind her stood someone that she mistook for the gardener. And it was Jesus, very much alive. And he went on 
to prove to hundreds of people that death could not hold him. And that's what we're celebrating this morning. And it means the world to me, and I can't, I can't help but get emotional uh, when we get to the Easter celebration. It just means so much. You can read this story for yourself in the Bible. Um, we've been spending a lot of time here this season in the book of John. And if you, want, if you don't have a Bible of your own and you want some help getting one, Right back there in that corner on that table back there, there are Bibles and there are also these little booklets that are just the book of John, the story of Jesus. You're free to help yourself to these or to a Bible if you want. Take it with you and dig into the story. It's an amazing story. If you've never read it before, read it. You will not be disappointed. Jesus made a statement about himself before the crucifixion, burial, and resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he certainly proved that to be true. But it wasn't just true for that one resurrection that we're celebrating this morning. It's not true just at Easter. Jesus is the answer to bringing life to every single person who believes in him. Every moment, every day. There's a part of the Easter story that I want to back up and revisit to help us set up the the message this morning that I want to share with you. And it goes back to last Sunday. Last Sunday was Palm Sunday. And at that time there was a crowd following Jesus who had some very specific expectations of Jesus. They knew what they wanted of him. Many of them believed that Jesus had come to make their lives good again. Things had gotten difficult for the Israelites. They didn't have the power and the security that they had once enjoyed as God's people. They thought Jesus had come to restore that for them. They wanted their lives to be good again. And they thought Jesus was going to provide it. That that's what he would do. Now that desire for things to be good again sounds really familiar to me right now. I've heard it expressed many times by many people today who are looking for things to be good again. The last few years has been pretty hard on us as a society. The impact of the events of the last few years has been felt by the entire world, by our country, by our state, our cities, our communities, our families, and by every single one of us as individuals. And on so many levels, we've lost the sense of security that we once had. Things got less predictable, less certain more complicated, more difficult on many, many levels in many, many ways. And that has taken a toll. And you've seen it. You've seen the toll it's taken on our society. You've seen the toll it's taken on the world. You've seen the toll it's taken on people that are dear to you. You've seen the toll that it's taken on yourself. And things that have been there, things that have been a challenge for us, Things that that represent this toll that life takes on us have been there, but they've been magnified, multiplied, blown up. Things like anxiety, 
And we are in an incredible state of anxiety as a culture right now, aren't we? It has gotten incredible to see how many people in such deep, deep ways are wrestling right now with anxiety. It has an incredible hold on us. Loneliness is worse than it's ever been. So many people have just simply expressed in all kinds of different ways, face-to-face, on social media, whatever it might be, when asked, their answer is that they are lonely. This is a toll that it's taken on us. I'm talking with people all the time who are disappointed. Life has let them down. Circumstances have let them down. They're just disappointed. They're discouraged. They're disillusioned. Things are not what they were. Things are harder and they can't figure it out. We're just not sure what to do with what's been handed to us, with what we've gone through, with what we're going through. And so people are slipping into despair and hopelessness. And it is all around us and it may be exactly what you're facing right now. People are frustrated. And that frustration is turning to anger. And that anger is working its way out in violence that seems to be increasing all over the place in so many different ways. We're tired, fatigued, worn out. And we've isolated ourselves. For a while we were forced to be isolated. And it's stuck. And people are more and more and more isolated now. And becoming more and more individualistic. As we face life on our own. And through all of this has come an incredible uptick in mental health concerns. So many different things that are affecting us in such deep, profound ways. I think we've all been impacted by what's happened to us. And as hard as it is to say, even our kids haven't been spared from this. I'm the father of three teenage boys. And I've watched the impact that this has had on our kids and their friends and kids throughout their school and on their teams. The way we're seeing kids respond to what's gone on in this world the past few years. The reality that, and I didn't realize this, but when I heard about it, it just hit me so hard. The reality that in my boy's high school, there's a room there that is dedicated to telehealth appointments where kids can go during the day to speak to their counselor, to speak to their therapist online. That's just a part of school now. Never was when I was a teenager. It's there. It's part of their reality. Our kids are are facing relationships that are surface, distant, and that loneliness, that isolation is just getting deeper and deeper and harder and harder and you see it in so many kids the anxiety the depression the loss of identity and the crisis that's brought on this is a hard hard time now i'd be lying if i said that i managed to escape the impact of all this i have not and today's actually a really significant day for me personally One year ago today, I stood up here and I gave the last message that I would bring to this church for about six months. 
this church was gracious enough to gift me with a five-month sabbatical and then about a month to adjust to being back serving here. The combined toll that the events of the past few years has taken on me personally and having a front row seat to the impact that it's had on my church, the people that I love and serve, and my family and my world had become far too much for me to bear. I needed some time to sort it out. To find some answers, to find some hope. And that time began, like it has with so many people, began with me wishing that things would just be good again. We just wanted, we just want things to be good again. So what are we looking for? That'll convince us that things will be good again or are good again. We want security, don't we? We want to feel safe. We want life to be predictable. We want to have confidence every day that the things around us are going to be okay and we can just charge into the day. We want happiness. We want freedom from the struggle. We want freedom from restrictions. We want to be happy. We want our normal life. And we have quite a definition of normal. We want ease. We want convenience. We want leisure. We want optimism. We want normal again. We want things to be good again. I think we've accepted the fact that things won't be the same again. But we still want them to be good again. But no matter what we do there's still always going to be this one giant fear that seems to be growing right along with all the other struggles that we're facing. We're afraid of death. We're afraid of dying. And I want to share a story with you of something that happened this past week. And it's really easy for some people to hear something like this and go, wow, what a coincidence that that happened during Easter week. Not a coincidence at all. This was absolutely amazing. Um, got a phone call in my office this past week from a total stranger. In fact, she said, you, you've never met me. You don't know who I am. But I have a request. She says, my siblings and I are getting together with our father. And her father's been battling cancer. He's had stomach cancer for quite some time. And he went in recently for a PET scan to determine whether or not the cancer has spread to the rest of his body. And if it has, he's going to be told that he has a very short period of time to live. And we were wondering if we could meet in a place where there might be a pastor nearby in case this gets to be too much for our dad. I said, yeah, absolutely. And so they came and they met in the room right next to my office out here. And I got to listen to the whole conversation. They had a video conference with their doctor. And I listened to that start with someone who was asking their dad questions about how he was doing spiritually and emotionally and mentally. And it was ominous. It was difficult to listen to these questions being asked, and he responded to the questions. And then he put the oncologist on, and he brought the news to this man. And the news was that the cancer had not spread. 
I wish I could mimic the response that this guy had. He burst into tears. The joy just exploded out of him. He was absolutely elated because he thought he was going to be told that he was going to die soon. And instead, he received this news that it's going to be okay. We're going to need to do an operation. We're going to need to remove what's there. You're going to be okay. And he thanked the doctor up and down, was absolutely elated. At the end of the conversation, he said, well, doctor, I just want to wish you a Merry Christmas. <laughs> he caught himself and he goes, I mean, I mean a happy Easter. <laughs> he, was just, he was over the moon. He was so excited. I'm listening to this whole thing. He steps out of that room next to my office and he steps into my office. Never met the man. Still hadn't before the meeting. And he says, can I hug you? (laughs) And I shared a hug in a moment with him. Because he had just learned that he was going to live. He wasn't going to die. And it was a beautiful reminder that we have hope. In the face of death. Jesus brought us life. Through the resurrection, he took the sting, he took the power out of death. That power needed to be removed for us. So Jesus went through the grave and came out the other side. We don't need to fear death anymore. Jesus offered us life, eternal life. In John 10, Jesus even stated that he came to bring us abundant life. And that life applies to this day, this moment, in the the midst of the impact that we felt from the past few years. That life is not just available once we die. It's here for us right now. So I want us to think about what we're looking for that we think would make things good again. And I want us to consider that life, the way it used to be, may not be what Jesus has in mind for us when he brought us abundant life. Maybe he has something new in mind for us. Now think for a moment about what we're doing in our society here to make life seem good again. Uh, We appear to be making up for lost recreation time. Lots and lots of vacations and adventures and experiences. We appear to be making up for lost luxuries. A lot of money being spent on toys these days. We're seeking more me time we're focused more on pleasure. We're making up for downtime by being busier than ever. We're exploring the advice that we're being given through the media and all kinds of channels that the answer to things being good again is you. It's me. It's us as individuals. We're the answer. And as a result of that, we're even more isolated than we've ever been. But Jesus offers us something different. 
He offers us a life that is characterized by a peace, a sense of peace that is beyond our ability to understand. He offers strength to face anything that this world throws at us. We lost our resilience. And Jesus offers to give us resilience to create that in our lives. He offers us hope that this life is not all there is. He offers us purpose in life, knowing that we have an eternity beyond this life, and so we can sacrifice this one for the sake of his purpose. He offers us something far beyond ourselves with our own limitations. He offers us belonging in his family, in his kingdom, as part of his plan. He offers us the love of a father who loves us perfectly and unconditionally, which nobody else can do. And that, that is the key to our future. God is. God is the key to our future. Any life that we create for ourselves to get things back to good again without God will still ultimately just lead us down the road to death like everyone else. But we can invite him to recreate our lives for us. It's what he does. It's what he's doing. The last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, gives us some some pictures of what's ahead and even what's happening right now. There's something very significant that's going on right now that we need to be aware of, we need to acknowledge this morning. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 5, there's a vision of God sitting on his eternal throne and he says, Behold, I am making all things new. God promises a new heaven and a new earth when the time comes, but even now, he is making all things new. And we need to understand what that word new means. God is bringing all things into a new and better condition. He's not simply making things good again like they were maybe five years ago. He is making all things new, better than anything that's ever been made in our lives before. And guess what? He offers to do that for each and every one of us. New, better, eternal, forever. Free of the power of death, free of the fear of death. That power and fear were defeated by Jesus when he walked out of the tomb. And now new life, better than any life we could make for ourselves, is available to us. So where does that leave us? To work harder, to create a life that better resembles what used to be? To be busier and more distracted so that we don't notice that the world really isn't getting any better? Are we to just remain in our wishful thinking, longing for security and pleasure and comfort and ease again? Or does God really have something different to offer us? 
Can God really create something new with our lives? Something better than anything that's been made of our lives before? I believe with all my heart that he can. God is making all things new. All things new. And that includes the lives that are offered to him and open to his presence and his power. Our lives. And I want to give testimony this morning that God is doing this in my life. He's creating new peace that I know comes from him because I don't understand it any other way. He's creating a new strength, a new resilience that I have never had before. He's creating new hope. He's creating new purpose. He's giving me, given me new focus in my life. He's creating a new sense of belonging for me in him, in my relationship with him, which affects every other relationship I have. He's creating new courage in me. And what God is doing in my life is not at all returning me to what used to be. This is all new and better. Better than anything that's been there before. Well, so what then? What difference is this making? I mean, I haven't arrived. I do not have a perfect life where I am perfect and I act perfect all the time and everything around me is perfect and we have this perfect little family and this perfect little home and a perfect living. It's not that at all. But I am living a new life. I'm living like there is a tomorrow. More than I ever had because I can see more clearly than I ever have that death is not the end. I'm living like Jesus is coming back soon to finish the work that he started and restore everything, including this world. I live in that anticipation more than I ever have. I'm living like every day is a new day. It's not just a repetition of the day before. Even the hard days are new days, and God is on the throne making all things new. I'm living more like my family and friends need to know this. Not know that things can be good again, but that things can be new. And I'm starting to see more clearly that my neighbors need to know this. My world needs to know this, that there is a new life, not just a return to the old one. So I choose the way things can be according to the God who is making all things new. I choose to let go of the way things were. I choose new and better, better than anything that's ever been made before. I choose the life that's being created by the one who conquered death. I choose to remove myself from the throne and declare that God is on that throne and he, not me, he is making all things new. I choose new life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Death could not hold him. He proved that. 
And my invitation to you this morning is to let him show you what he can do with your life. I'm encouraging you this morning to invite God to bring you the new life that he has for you. If you're wrestling at all with that desire to see things be good again, this is a time for you to release that. And come before God and say, God, I want new. You're making all things new, God. Now make my life new. And this is for every single one of us, whether we've never made a decision to follow Jesus, never joined God's family, or if we've been following Jesus for decades, this is an opportunity right now just to say, I'm leaving what's behind, behind. I want New, God, give me new. Make me new. So I've created just a little simple step that I want to invite you to do this morning at the end of the service. We're going to sing another song together and celebrate together. I'm going to come up and I'm going to pronounce a benediction on us. And after that, before you leave this room, before you head out there and scarf some pancakes and sausage, which you are invited to participate in, no matter if you were planning on it or not, we have plenty. Stick around, have pancakes. They're there for you. But before you leave this room, I invite you to come forward. I'm going to pull these two whiteboards up to the front here. And it has a simple statement on it says, I want things to be good again. And then I crossed out good again, and I wrote the word new. And if that's your desire this morning, and I hope it is, I just want to invite you, before you leave this room, to just come up and write your name on the board. Just as a statement to God, a practical step. Say, God, I'm in. I want new life. I want the, the life that you're making new for me. All right, will you pray with me now? And I want you to just take a moment right now with your heads bowed and eyes closed and just, this is an opportunity for you to just in silence in your heart and in your mind, just to say to God, God, I release the desire for things to be good again the way they were. God, I want new life. I want the life that you're creating for me. Let him know that you, you're grateful that he's making all things new and that you want him to do that work in your life too. Father, we thank you this morning for the beautiful reality that death could not hold Jesus. That victory was won in an empty tomb. As Jesus not just experienced death, but he defeated death and he took away the power of death. He took away the sting of death. He took away the fear of death and he made life available to us. God, I pray for each and every one that's in this room right now that in
this moment they would choose that life, that new life that you offer. That you would fill them with your hope. That you would surround them with your love. And God, if they have never made a decision to follow Jesus into what he has for them, I pray that they would make that decision right now, that they would simply say to you, God, I choose new life in Jesus. I choose to follow Jesus, that they would ask for forgiveness and receive that new life, eternal life. I pray for every one of us, for those of us like myself who have been following Jesus for many, many years have hit that point where we realize we're looking for the wrong thing. We're looking for things to be good, but not new. Well, you're in the process of making all things new. Father, will you make us new? Bring us new life, resurrection life. life that is very full of your presence and your power. Help us, Lord, to choose that life and invite you to do that work in us. We give you ourselves this morning in gratitude, in anticipation, in humility, asking, Lord, for that new life that you promise. Make it ours. We choose new do this in the one in the name of the one who made it possible for us to have new life in the name of Jesus Christ your son who walked out of that tomb amen